High Praise Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Garrett, Youth Pastor at High Praise Panama City. I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. No matter if you just missed a service or if you happen to stumble across our show, we believe and we pray that God is going to bless you through today's episode. So open up your hearts, receive what God has in store for you. All right, we're going to wrap up this series Um, The table two weeks ago, we talked about what we're hungry for. Last week, we talked about what happened at Zacchaeus' table. Um, And then this week is all about friends. Everyone say friends. Friends. You got to say it with an A, friends. Friends. Okay, good. Um, So this week, we're going to talk about who is sitting at your table. Courtney, will you pull me down just like a little bit? I feel like I'm yelling, and I'm probably going to get loud, and then this is going to be really loud. Um, That's perfect. So this week, we're talking about friendships. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about dating. So for those of you that are dating, welcome to the end of your relationship. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Hey, ask Pat. I got Pat dumped one week. Isn't it true? Yeah, you're welcome, Faith, wherever you are. You're welcome, Faith. Yeah, wherever you are. Yeah, I got him dumped one week. It was great. (laughs) Uh, I'm just (laughs) kidding. True story. Um, But anyway, we're just going to talk about the people that we allow in our lives. Obviously, I know that everyone has people in your lives that are there because they have to be there like family, like teachers, people like this, like Darius. Oh, sorry. I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) Um, But you guys have people that you allow into your lives. And so that's what we're talking about. So as I'm talking, I don't want you to be like, I'm going home and I'm, I'm not being friends with my mom anymore. That's not what I'm saying. All right. And I'm telling you now. That what I'm referring to tonight is the people that you voluntarily are in a friendship slash relationship with, not your family members, not your parents. I have preached a similar message to this once, and I had a mom literally text me the next day and be like, hey, I don't know what was said last night, but so-and-so like, just feels like they don't, they don't have to respect me anymore because I'm just not edifying their relationship with the Lord. And I had to have a whole conversation with that student and that mom because... You can't not be friends with your parents, all right? So disclaimer now, this does not pertain to family, okay? Good? Wonderful. Go to 1 Kings chapter 12. I mean, verse 4, go to 1 Kings chapter 12. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 12, first one there can have a gold star when we get to heaven. Just remind me. And um, it'll be actually, it'll be like one of the Mario stars. It'll be actually made of gold. Um, Wonderful. Darius, remind me when we get there. <laughs> With an act- hey, we got more actual Bibles here tonight. I see a lot more actual Bibles. Congratulations. Thank you for having an actual Bible. Yeah, Faison started it because Bianca brought it. So there you go. <laughs> First Kings chapter 12, verse 4. We're going to take a look at three different instances in Scripture. So we've kind of got, I won't say we've got a lot to cover, but we are going to move through three different stories, something I typically do not like doing. But tonight, we just got to do it. Uh, so the first one, we're in 1 Kings chapter 12, starting in verse 4. We are talking about a man named Rehoboam. Everyone say Reho. Boham. There you go. Uh, so we're talking about this guy. He is the newly appointed king of Israel, David's grandson. All right, so here we go. I'm picking up in verse 4. This is the people of Israel talking to their new king. It says, your father made our yoke harsh. Anyone know who his father was? Oh, Keith, gold star to Keith. I heard it. Your, fa- <laughs> Your father made our yoke harsh. Anyone know what a yoke is? All right. This is why we ask these questions in service. His burden is easy and his yoke is light. And y'all think we're talking about eggs. Y'all have heard that, right, Jesus? You've heard that and you think we're talking about eggs? Okay. All right. Everyone pause. We're taking, a, we're taking a Bible 101 break. So time out, Bible time. Anytime, well, not anytime. Yeah, pretty much anytime because eggs, I don't think, are even the Bible. So we can, I can safely say when you come across the word yoke in the Bible, they're referring to, have you ever seen um, like, a, like a, uh, a farmer with like two cattle and they would have, they would have the yoke which would be like the thing that connected the two of the cattle. It would be what they were pulling um, the till on. That's the yoke, right? So like when we say the burden is light and the yoke is easy, the yoke is the thing that um, it's essentially the work 
right? So the yoke, if it's heavy, it'd be hard work. It'd be like if I put a yoke on your back, I'm like, go plow the back field. And that yoke weighed 5 million pounds. It'd be really hard for you to do that, right? Understand? If you don't understand, Google it, look up a picture. If you're visual, it will help you, but I can't go too far much into that. But anyway, we're not talking about yet eggs. Your father made our yoke harsh, meaning your father made our work. He made our lives very hard. You therefore lighten your father's harsh service and the heavy yoke he put on us, the heavy work, the burden um, he put on us, and we will serve you. Okay, so the people are trying to make a deal. Rehoboam replied, go away for three days and then return to me. And so the people left... The king, sorry, then King Rehoboam consulted with the elders who had served his father Solomon when he was alive, asking, how do you advise me to respond to this people? They replied, today, if you will be a servant to this people and serve them, and if you respond to them by speaking words, kind words to them, they will be your servants forever. But he rejected the advice of the elders who had advised him and consulted with the young men who had grown up with and attended him. He asked them, what message do you advise that we send back to this people who said to me, lighten the yoke your father has put on us? The young men who had grown up with him told him, this is what you should say to this people who said to you, your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter on us. This is what you should tell them. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Ha. Oh yeah. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Basically meaning I'm bigger and badder and stronger than my dad. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Although my father burdened you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with barbed whips. Yeah, so this does not go well. Um, if you notice, for those of you that study the Old Testament, you read the Old Testament, you will notice there comes a point uh, right here, actually, that Israel is no longer just Israel, but split into two kingdoms. There's Israel, and then there's also Judah. You were there. I heard it. So then at this point, even in my Bible, like at the beginning, it says the kingdom divided. And so what happens after this, King uh, Rehoboam takes the advice of his friends, goes and tells the people, I'm going to make your life like way harder than it is. And so then 10 tribes rebel against him. Uh, they, there's the southern tribes. It ends up being Israel and Judah. There's two different kingdoms. It's just everything goes to mess from there. So literally what divides the country, like, you know, the whole Egypt into the wilderness, into the promised land, to King, King David, all these wonderful things God does with Israel, what ruins all of that is a dude listening to bad advice from his friends. From generations... From Abraham to David, from covenant to Joseph to Egypt to the problem, I mean, everything, all comes crashing down because one guy takes bad advice. Any of you have friends, like you, you would say you have a childhood friend that you're friends with like for a really long time, that you're still actively friends with? Okay, a few of you, a few of you, cool, most, okay, all the older people. What? Faison? Don't start with me. I cannot stress this to you enough. One thing, and maybe I'll have years from now, you might have the same thing to say about me. I don't know. My youth pastor, when I was a wee lad, said the same thing every week, four times a week, even if it had nothing to do with his message. And it was this, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. He could be talking about the end times. He could be talking about marriage. He could be talking about drug addiction. He could be talking about anything. But somewhere in his message, this man would say, show me your friends and show me your future. I've even said this to some of you. Show me your friends and show me your future. If you remember anything from tonight, you're going to remember me saying this a hundred times. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. The... I would say the biggest, one of the biggest things that is going to um, depend on where you land is where, by how you're being held. And the people in your life determine your trajectory, right? Anyone ever shot a bottle rocket? Okay. If I pointed the bottle rocket here, it would not be good, right? 
But what determines where the bottle rocket lands is how I'm pointing my arm. Your friends, typically, your friends, girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever you want to call them, I've watched ruin and, and squander some really great young people's lives simply because of the friends and relationships that they help. See, Rehoboam literally ends a covenant relationship with the Lord, squanders the promise, squanders the wilderness, squanders King David killing Goliath, all of it, simply because instead of taking sound advice from men who are older than him that he probably didn't have a relationship with, he went to his friends that he grew up with. And his friends, for whatever reason, just thought it would probably be hilarious if they just ruined this. Any of you have friends who would tell you to do something wrong just because they think it would be funny? Yeah, that's a bad friend. Those are bad, bad friends. And I'm sure, you know, I've thought about this uh, just over the past couple days. I've literally been asking myself, why in the world, why in the world would the new king of Israel, for one, not listen to the advice of the guys who are literally there to advise him, and why would he take the advice of some guys who he grew up with who know nothing? And that advice literally couldn't be worse. And the only thing I've landed on and you might think something different, and that's fine. The only thing I've really landed on is because he wanted their approval. That's the only reason I can think of. Because it's not sound, it's not wise, it doesn't do him any good. He's still king. It, caught, it Literally, it wouldn't take a genius to look at probably what the fallout of these actions would be. The only thing I can think of, he had two groups of people giving him two different advice. He sided with the side that he thought, hmm, I would rather have their approval. I would rather them, I'd rather still be in good with them. I don't want to cause an upset with them. I don't want them to be mad at me. Right Now, obviously, I'm not saying that you are going to divide all of Israel by doing this, but guys, I, I can't, the reason I wanted to show you this story is because this is something I think most young, this is something every young Christian eventually comes to, is what counsel are you going to listen to, but also, I think maybe even more importantly, who, what, what crowd are you going to try to please? Because most of the time, a lot of time, Young people, we give our life to the Lord, we, we get going, we start trying to make changes, we change music, we change the uh, way we dress, maybe we change the way that we talk, we change like all this other stuff, but the hardest thing that it always comes down to, and it proves to me every August, is that who you hang out with matters more than all of that. Because it's the one thing that you can't come lay up here. I've had people hand me vapes, I've had people hand me um, phones, I've had tell me to delete contacts, I've had all, I've had just cr crazy stuff. I, never mind, inappropriate. I've had some weird things handed to me at an altar before, weird. But the one thing that never seems to get handled the right way is breaking off relationships that are holding young people down. It's the one thing that always rises up, comes back, raises its head, come August, start the team practicing again, blah, blah, blah. It's always people. It's always people. And hear me, I celebrate these things, guys. Like when you're overcoming addictions, you're overcoming things in your life, those things are awesome. But hear me, this is usually where like most of you hit that wall. The wall usually is, that's staring back in front of you is who you hang out with and who you're friends with. And even if those people are quote-unquote Christians, and we'll get to that a little bit later in identifying just that. If you cannot change your crowd, you set yourself up for failure. And a lot of you, like, this is... I'm just going to be honest. A lot of you are just really good at lying about this. Because this is something I don't see, your leaders don't see, and the church just simply doesn't see. This is the one thing y'all are really good about lying. Because I don't look at your DMs. I don't look who you sit with. I don't look how you talk at practice. I don't know. And honestly, it's not my business to know because God knows and that's good enough. If you cannot change the influence, you have, the permission that you have given people to influence your life, it will always bring you back to the place where you started. Regardless of how many habits you try to break, phones you clear history on, vapes you give up, all this stuff. It always, always, always comes back to do the wrong people have the power in your life, just like what we're reading right here. It's not a matter of like, well, I just don't, I don't hang out with them as much, and, you know, I, they're my friends, man. This is, I've, I've 
if I had a dollar for every time I had this conversation, I could retire. Always had this conversation. Man, they've been with me for so long. I've been friends with them for so long. We came up. We were in like fourth grade together, dude. Like we know, like that's my guy. And they all, we always try to like pretend that these people are like our ride or die till death. And then you graduate and you never talk to these people again. It's the saddest thing ever. It's like, it, 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 it really is tragic. And I'm just going to break some harsh reality news to you guys. Your friends that you're friends with right now, you're friends with because you go to the same school. You're friends with because you have the same hobbies. You're friends with because you are forced to be in the same classroom, team, practice, whatever. Most of you have friends that are literally only your friends because you have to have friends to survive. Because what happens is come post-graduation and all of that disappears, you will quickly realize how many friends you actually have. When the common ground of high school is ripped out under your feet and you're no longer in class and you're no longer at practice and you're no longer doing events and all this other stuff that your school makes you do, you will realize how many friends you actually have. You have people that you are literally, it makes me so mad. You have people that you determine your life around, who you're going to be, who you're going to date, how you're going to talk, what you're going to believe in around people that are literally seasonal. One of the hardest truths every young person needs to learn, and I even like saying this, people are seasonal. People are seasonal. There's not a single person in my life who's been there from day one till start. And I was kind of bad parents. But for some of you, you have parents who've been there, and that's wonderful. But your parents aren't going to be there every single day of your life. You guys have got to quit committing everything about who you are to people that you are trying to please just because they've been there for a long time. If, that all it, if that's all it takes to buy your loyalty is be there for a long time, you're cheap. You sell yourselves for a very cheap price tag and you stand upon things that are like, well, they've been here through this. No, they weren't. You just saw them every day at school. They weren't there for you because you talked to them. They couldn't get away from you at practice. Yeah. I've been dating this person for three years. No, you have not. You've been holding hands in class for three years. You move, they move, something happens, it's done. You graduate from high school, all the... Break some of your hearts. You guys have got to quit selling yourself so cheaply. The devotion I see in this generation to people baffles me because it's a generation that will stand upon the hearts they've received from people but are so loyal to the people that hurt them. I have been pastoring young people for years who are like, I just want more of God. I want to become more God. Like, I'm trying to do this thing, I'm trying to do this thing, blah, 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 blah. And then come August, it's like, oh, I'm real busy. You busy with what? You think you're busy now? Guys, if you're too busy for God now, when you go to college and you become an actual adult, you will crave and wish you went to the days where your schedule was made for you and you got out of class at 3 o'clock or you got out of practice at 6. If you're too busy for God now, sweetheart, sweetheart, no. Like, where's Alexis? I need Alexis to say it. Like, you... Like, come on, Suge, it's Suge, isn't it? Like, come on, bless your heart, but you're dumb. <laughs> like, we can't, you stand upon, like, I'm just so busy, I have just so much going on. Dude, you're in high school, man. It is literally a, like a government-funded organization that you attend. It gets harder. Bills are hard. Jobs last longer than your school days. I'm not trying to be mean to you, but these are the things that you rob you from destiny with your relationship with the Lord. And it drives me insane. Because I watch young people sacrifice what God is calling them to do for people who are only going to be in their life for a couple more years. Tops. For friendships that could end like that. You know how many conversations I've had to have because y'all have drama friendships? But then y'all want to give that same person the right for you to not act like a godly person? Well, I don't want to make them uncomfortable, so I still got to talk like they do. Well, I, I, Garrett, I, I don't do that stuff. I just still hang out with them. You know, like I'm trying to witness to them. Shut up. <laughs> don't tell anyone I said that. It will be on the podcast. Okay. Like, stop. 
stop, stop, stop selling yourself on things that are literally going to last you only a couple more years. We got to go to the next one for sake of time. And because I know I'll probably get hung up on this one way longer than any of the other ones. Judges chapter 16, verse 4. Judges chapter 16, starting in verse 4. We're going to talk about Delilah. Yeah. Judges 16, verse 4, we come across a man named Samson. He's taken a Nazarite vow. He is um, basically a superhero in just the most basic way I know how to put this to you guys. He has strength that uh, just cannot be uh, mastered. He's the strongest guy. He's basically at war with the Philistines. The Philistines can't figure out how to kill him. Um, But they eventually get to him all because of a wrong relationship. Blaming women for everything, Faison. Judges, y'all heard him. (laughs) Judges 16, verse 4. It says, sometime later, this is referring to Samson. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman named Delilah. Everyone say, hey there, Delilah, get out of your system. Okay, all right, it's done. Who lived in the Sorak Valley. The Philistine leaders went to her and said, persuade him to tell you where his great strength comes from so we can overpower him. Tie him up and make him helpless. Each of us will then give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me, where does your great strength come from? How could someone tie you up and make you helpless? I'm going to paraphrase the rest of the story. Three different times, Samson lies to her and gives her a false reasoning for why he has the strength that he has. And each time, something happens to where she, like he says, it's like bowstrings or something that have never been used. And then she ties him up with bowstrings. Why did he let her do that? I'm not talking about that tonight. But he lets her tie him up. And then the Philistines jump out and try to kill him. And he breaks. And he's like, Delilah, you lied. And then she does it again with rope. Again. Why did he willingly let that happen? I don't know. And then the Philistines jump out and try to kill him. And he breaks the rope. And he kills the Philistine. And he's like, Delilah, you keep trying to get me killed. And he does it again. On a third time, he basically lies and says, you've got to put my hair up a certain way. And then he like, gets her to fall asleep on her lap. And he, she ties up her hair, tells the Philistines to come in, tries to kill him. He gets up, kills him. And after the third time that Delilah literally tried to get this man killed, like not just like hurt feelings sent around Snapchat, like tried to get this man killed, he finally gives in. And if you read the scripture, it's super, super manipulative. I've I've got a message I've been working on for a while, just on different levels of manipulation. And that's part of that sermon is how, how much Delilah manipulates Samson. But she basically is like, she starts off almost every accusation. If you love me, you'll tell me. If you love me, you'll really tell me, Zips. After she's tried to get him killed three times, betrayed him three times, and she's still like, you don't love me. But it works, and after the, on the fourth time now, Samson tells the truth. He's like, it's my hair. If my hair gets cut, I'll lose my strength. So that man reaps the consequences of his actions, and he falls asleep. She shaves his head. The Philistines come in. He's lost his strength. He, they bind him and immediately gouge out his eyes. And Samson uh, ends up dying shortly after. I know, God, I hope I know, that that is not the severity of your relationships. But it is a really, really, really good example as to why you should be equally yoked when you date someone. If If Samson would just be like, oh, you're kind of a prostitute, and don't know the God that I know, we shouldn't be in relationship with each other. What happens? Samson doesn't lose his eyeballs and die under a massive like collapse of a building. And he goes on to live a wonderful life serving God. But he makes a horrible decision and falls in love with a woman he should never have else, should have never entertained. Right? Quit entertaining people who do not know the Lord. I don't care if you're a guy, I don't care if you're a girl. Quit dating people who have no interest in holding you accountable to the, way, to the things of God. Period. Like double, quadruple. 
Like here's, I just, can we just think logically? I love logic because logic helps us solve so many questions. Let's say, let's say we have a young person. Let's say we have a young person <laughs> who wants to, I love picking up Faison, who wants to date. Let's say Faison, come here Faison, stand before everyone. Let's say Faison, yeah, come on. Face the crowd. Face the crowd, there's so much more of them. There's no reason Faison's up here other than I just want to pick on him. So he's not going to do anything, he's just going to stand here. <laughs> do the somersault. Um, what was I saying? Let's say Faison wanted to date somebody. He came to me and said, hey, y'all quit. Shh, I'll do that to him. All right, come here. Jasmine, come here. That's what you get. That's what you get. Let's say in a hypothetical world, Jasmine comes to me and is like, hey, Pastor Garrett, I found a guy that I'm interested in pursuing. I'm like, oh, so you want to be in a relationship with somebody who wants to take care of your heart. And you would answer, yes, wonderful. So when a person says, I want to be in a romantic relationship with someone else, you are saying, I want to give this person access to me, to my emotions, to my heart. I want this person to be in a romantic place. And if that person does not know God and does not know love, why on God's green earth would you give that person permission to have access to the place that you said belongs to the Lord? See, when you get saved, when you give your life to God, you are saying, Lord, you get to have all of me. My heart's desire is to serve you. My heart's desire is to become more like you. It's to worship you. And then at some point along the way, we start dating somebody, start texting, talking. I hate that phrase. Oh, I hate that phrase. You ain't, oh, you don't just, no, you're not. You're not just talking. No. You know what you're doing? Oh, this is not a dating message, but we're about to get there real quick. You're never just talking to someone, okay? You're not. The moment that you open the door and give, your, give access to your emotions to someone, they are no longer a friend, okay? And if you don't value yourself enough to realize that, get it. Or you're going to be talking to a whole lot of people who are going to do a lot of things about you, and you're going to be an emotionally abused mess by the time you want to marry somebody. You're going to be black and blue and be like, I don't know what's wrong. We have all these problems. Maybe because you've told 40 people that you're in love with them during your life. You don't know what love is. It's not a dating message, Jasmine. I'm just talking because you're up here. I know. I'm just talking to you because you're up here. What Samson did with Delilah is he compromised things thinking that he could just change who she is. That who she was would not affect who he is. Right? Who she was, she was a Philistine. So most people believe she was a prostitute. But that did not matter. He was so secure in who he was. He had, he had a relationship with God unlike anybody else. He was God's chosen person. He had, he had done things. He had done miracles, defeated armies, one versus a hundred. Like done things that me and you could never do. All by the anointing of the Lord. He was so confident that nothing could come between him and God that who he gave himself to no longer mattered. Whew. Woe, woe, woe to the young 16, 17, 18-year-old person who is so confident in their relationship with the Lord that you think you can flirt to convert somebody and get them in church and they'll get saved and they'll do all the things that you want them to do so that you'll be in relationship with them. If I can't spend too much longer on this because I want to get somewhere else. But this entire message is based upon who you give access to, who's sitting at your table, who are you giving permission to have an influence in your life. So we have to therefore talk about dating because that's what everyone wants to do. If a person does not have their own relationship with the Lord... When you start dating, this is just what happens. I'm just telling you from experience. That person goes through the motion, gets a relationship with God, maybe gets prayed for at an altar, maybe comes and looks miserable in service the whole time simply because they want to be with you. And hear me, and I'm not blaming anybody. 
And then when that relationship ends, you know what that person will never do again? Come back to church. You know what that person will never do again? Have any interest in the Lord. That one Christian girl, man, I went to that church, and then she broke up with me, and they don't ever talk to me again, blah, 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 blah. Y'all give so many unbelievers excuses to not like the church because you prostitute yourself out to them thinking you can get them to church, and then you end up dumping them because you realize that you shouldn't be in a relationship with them, and then now that person spends the next however many years not having any interest in God or church because of the encounter they had with you. If you don't encounter people and it makes them wanting more of the Lord, you're doing it wrong regardless of your friends or your dating, regardless of the level of your, of your relationship, friendship, whatever you want to call it. Every aspect of your relationships and friendships, if you are not the person who is doing the influencing, you're doing it wrong. When people get into a friendship relationship with you, it should be so that they want more of the Jesus that is already there. And it is predatory. It is predatory to prowl around on unbelievers because you have a false motive in hanging out with them that you just want them to come to church and do the things so that mom or dad or me or someone else will be happy that they're a Christian now. It's predatory and it's gross. I think it's disgusting. That, um, you want my honest opinion? That's my honest to God opinion. I think it's gross. I think it's gross to go to an unbeliever, enter into a romantic relationship knowing you guys could not be further apart and be like, oh, just come to church with me. It'll be fine. We'll get this fixed. Do what you got to do, you know. All the, and, then, <laughs> and then all the while, y'all start like compromising physically with each other. And then that's a whole other mess I just don't have time to get into. Jasmine, you can go sit down. You've been great. The simple reality is this. Do not let anyone have access to your heart. Do not let anyone care for your heart if their heart does not first belong to the Lord. Period. Like young ladies. Young ladies. You listen to me. I will save you so much heartache in your life. Listen. Listen. If he cannot care for your hand, he cannot care for you. He should not be able to care for your heart. Got it? There are a million dudes who come and tell you all the sweet nothings, how much they love you, and you're the only girl, and blah, 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 and how pretty you are, cute you are, duh, 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 duh. And that's wonderful. But if, they, if he cannot care for your hand, he should not have access to your heart. If he cannot provide for you, if he is not a man who can provide for you so that you can leave mother and father and go be joined with your husband away from his mother and father, then quit playing the game. Quit being an emotional prostitute. Amen. Quit. And y'all, I'll move on. Because this, this is one topic I will. I knew I was probably going to linger on a little bit. I'll talk to the guys for a minute because the guys are always like, oh, why are you so mean to us? It's not fair. We're not like that, guys. We're not like them other men. We're not. <laughs> All right, I'll look at this row over here. All right, young men, listen to me for just a minute, and then we're going to move on to our next story. If she does not care about who you are as a man, if she does not, and hear me, some of you might not even understand what I'm talking about yet, and you're going to be like, huh? What does that mean? I just want to feel pretty. <laughs> if she does not care about who you are as a man, as in your integrity, your character, if she does not care about your relationship with the Lord, if she does not care about the things that you deal with, and if she's not supportive of you becoming the man of God you are striving to be, she is a Delilah and kick her out of your bed. Period. I don't care if she's got a cross necklace around her neck. I don't care if she's a youth group girl. I've known a lot of youth group girls, and some of them are crazy, Okay. <laughs> They just are. Some youth group girls are crazy. It's okay. And that's fine. Y'all are. It's all right. Youth group guys are crazy too. Yeah. yeah. You know how it... All right. Let's go to the next one. We got to go to the next one. But some of you young men, you, 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 you are in relationship with the Delilah. Not because they're, they're a Philistine. Not because they're something crazy. Simply because they are not in full support of you becoming the man of God God has called you to be. 
That's what defines a Delilah. Delilah had no care for who God had called Samson to be. He was in a relationship with the wrong person from the beginning, because, not because of her nationality, not because of her profession, because she had no care about supporting and helping him become the man he was supposed to be. All right, go to the next one. We're going to talk about Judas for just a minute. Matthew 26, verse 14 through 16. Matthew 26, verse 14 through 16. It says, Then one of the twelve, the man called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they weighed out 30 pieces of silver. It's always silver. For him, and from that time, he started looking for a good opportunity to betray him. Most of you know the story. I hope you know the story. Judas was, by all accounts, a friend of Jesus. Judas would have spent years ministering with Jesus, even had what we would refer to as a leadership position within the 12, as like the accountant, as a treasurer. He was trusted by Jesus. And Jesus, every time he talks to Judas, specifically the scriptures use the word friend. In fact, with the last interaction these two men have in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, when Jesus is praying and praying and praying and praying, and it's, he knows what's about to happen, and Judas uh, comes towards him, he says, he says, friend, do you betray me with a kiss? And Judas kisses him like on the, on the forehead or the cheek or something. It's interesting to me I double-checked this. I wanted to be sure before I said this tonight. There are not other instances when Jesus talks to the disciples that he refers to them as friend. When he talks to Judas, he only ever says friend. He'll talk to Peter. He calls him by name. He talks to John. He talks to him by name. He even talks to Thomas. He, talk, he calls him by name. But the scriptures only ever use the word friend when Jesus is talking to Judas. And I think that is incredibly, incredibly on purpose. Not everybody is anointed to be your friend. And, why, I, and here we go. I know, I can't even look over there. And here's a generation that is so daggum obsessed with their anointings and their callings, but have no care as to who is anointed to be in their life, only care about what we're anointed to do. If you can't first think about who's anointed to be in your life, you will never achieve what you're supposed to do ever. The crowds you hang out with, the people you give access to your life, your quote-unquote friends, if those people, if, you, if those people are not held before the Lord, it's always, God, I just want more of you. I want to I wanna fulfill my calling in, in you. I want to become the person in you. But never look at the people, your inner circle, who's sitting at your table. You're, you're, you're banging on a bell, just making useless noise. Not everybody is anointed to be your friend. In fact, I would get a little personal. I have been friends. I thought I've had friends. People I've done ministry with, people I've been on staff with, that I once would refer to as some of my best friends, and in the weakest moments of my life, did some of the worst things anyone's ever done. And I'm not bashing them. I love them, forgiving them. That is under the blood. But I can tell you from experience even your Christian friends, even the people that are in the trenches with you, the moment that you become vulnerable can say some things and do some things you would never see coming. Yeah. I have been friends. I ain't going to listen to this. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I have been friends with a lot of youth pastors in this town. We used to sit at tables with them. Used to eat lunch with them, and they would give me, they would ask me for advice and ideas and need counseling, and they'd call and text on Wednesdays. And when they had a problem, I was one of the first people they'd call. My phone does not get those calls or texts anymore. Do you want to know why? Because I cannot give to them the things that they so desperately need anymore. You have people in your life that are leeches, and they are disguised as your friends. There are people in your life that are only your friends because of what you offer to them. Like, we talk about this with young kids, like, hey, it's not nice to use people. Like, when I had, I had a friend named Joseph when I was in elementary school, but Joseph was my friend because he had a pool. You know what I mean? Like, that's why we were, you had to keep at least a good relationship with Joseph because he would have a pool party every year for his birthday, and you wanted to go to that because his parents owned, like, this giant company. You have got 
listen to me. You have got to take an honest assessment as to who is sitting at your table. Because I would go as far to say you have people sitting at your table that are only there because you are feeding them. You have people sitting at your table that are only there because they ain't got anywhere else to sit. You are dating people that are only there because you offered. Because it makes high school go by quicker. And being lonely is boring. Who's sitting at your table? Because Judas sat at Jesus' table for a while. Now hear me. Let me just make sure everyone understands something. Judas was allowed to sit there. Jesus knew he was not ignorant or dumb. Judas had to do what he had to do. Fulfill the prophecies, all that wonderful things. But for you, I, I ask you this question. How willing are you to actually become the person God has called you to be? Not, are you willing to read your Bible? Are you willing to pray? Are you willing to come to church? Or are you willing to worship and listen to good you know, Christian music? Are you willing to tell people they could no longer sit at your table? Are you willing to say to someone, you can no longer have access to my heart because it belongs to someone greater than you now? Are you willing to show up at your next practice and not talk and joke the way they talk and joke? Are you too concerned that for, with their comfortability, their acceptance of you? It's so crazy. We, 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 we tell God all the time how much like, we love him and you know, it's all that matters and all this other stuff. But our, our lives genuinely only ever show that the real acceptance we care about are those people that wait for you at school tomorrow. People that would betray you and throw you under the bus the moment you did something embarrassing or wrong or your pictures got leaked. Your loyalty is given to the wrong crowd. I wonder what Jesus thought when he was on the cross when only one of the disciples showed up. I wonder what thoughts he was thinking. I know in some of the darkest times of my life, there were very few people who showed up. There are very few people who came knocking at my door. There are very few people who wanted to know how I was doing. There are plenty of people who wanted to run their mouth. Plenty of people who wanted to say things they didn't understand. Plenty of people who wanted to accuse and, and, and God bless their heart. That's why, I, never mind. Now I'm just being mean. That's why I have pictures of them in my office so they can watch how great I'm doing. Your people that sit at your table are going to determine the trajectory of your life. Your prayers, your sacrifices, all of these things, they matter. But if, it, if, if the people problem is, persists, you're always going to bounce back and land in the same cycle. You'll always go in the same cycle, round and round. We give up this, we give up this, we quit talking, I change the music, I, I start listening to podcasts, I start going to church, bam. This started again. This club started again. Practice for this sport started again. August came back around. The cycle will persist because it always comes back to this defining moment for so many of you, the people in your life. My, my prayer for part of you is that some of you would get some daggum discernment when it comes to people. My prayer is that some of you would have a revelation as to who brings you down. And who helps you rise? Even Jesus says this to the disciples. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Leaven is what you put in bread that causes it to rise. And if you don't put it, it causes it to fall. People, will always either help, people are always either going to help you rise or help you fall. There's no in-between. My youth pastor used to always say, people are like elevators, Garrett. They're going to go up, you're going to go down. But you never stay still. When I was in high school and I had to quit partying and had to quit drinking, that was, and I think I might have talked about this before, that was the absolute hardest part of my faith journey. It was not giving up drinking, it wasn't giving up smoking, it wasn't the girls, it was the friends that I had been friends with for years. I'm from a small town in Arkansas, I, didn't, I ain't got five high schools. Like when, when we say we grew up together, we grew up together. And we grew up together in some crappy situations. 
But I remember the night at Tim's house when they started doing something and I had to stand up. And I remember when Kyle Penix asked me, he said, Garrett, where are you going? And I remember the last time I ever hung out with him, I turned around and said, I cannot do this anymore. I said, I've been on the fence for too long. I'm sorry. It's like, y'all know where I'm going to be. You know who I want to be. I just can't do this. And I walked out that door. Two weeks later, I think it was Christmas break, one of them died in a drunk driving accident in a car that I probably would have been in. In that room were six of my closest friends. Three of them today are no longer alive. 50% of that room is already dead. We're just reached 30. Who you give who who you allow to sit at your table? Show me your friends and I will show you your future. Had I not changed my friends in 2011, 2012, would not be standing here today. I could have said the prayers, done the things, been the Christian, but had I not changed my friends, none of that would have mattered. Still would have became that person. Still would have become that person. So my question to you is just very simple. I praise. My question is this. Are you actually willing to change who sits at your table? Regardless of how many years you have. Regardless of the memories. Regardless of how long you've been dating. Regardless of, uh, of family dynamics and, and all this other stuff. If you can't change people, then you're just going to stay in the cycle. And I know, I know some of you have been in a cycle. The same cycle goes around, round and round and round and round and round. We play the game, and there's always that one thing that sets us back, and it's people. It'll always be that thing. As long as you're dating a Delilah, as long as you're taking advice from bad friends, as long as you're keeping people like a Judas around who at any moment when there's a better offer would move on from you so quick. Notice it wasn't the Pharisees that came to Judas and said, hey, we're going to give you a lot of money. Judas got tired of following Jesus. In fact, I've studied a lot of his life. Here's my personal belief about Judas. I don't think Judas hated Jesus. I don't think Judas disagreed with Jesus. I think Judas believed who Jesus was, who he said he was. I don't think Judas lost faith. I firmly believe that Judas got tired of living the lifestyle that he had to live to follow Jesus. And therefore went to the disciples and said, look, I just want out. I can't do this anymore. I love him. And this shows afterwards. He's like, I just can't do this anymore. He's like, all right, well, let's see what we can give you. We'll give you 30 pieces of silver. Judas, cool. I can't do this anymore. Tired, exhausted. But Judas could not keep up with the lifestyle of a Christian. Therefore, he wanted out and he betrayed Jesus for some money. How true is that of us? We start on this journey. We follow Jesus for a while. And it's not our faith. It's not Jesus himself. It's the things that it costs us. It costs Judas a lot to be a disciple cost him his home, his profession, cost him stability. So are you willing to pay the price to be a disciple of Christ? Or are you just going to stay in the cycle? Are you just going to keep playing this game? Maybe have a great summer, terrible August. Retreat might help in, in March for some of you. You know, we get these little boosters that kind of help us along the way, but there's always that one thing. It's always, it's always the people in your life that are the determining factor. Don't tell me how much you love the Lord if you're not willing to change your friends. Don't tell me how much you're, you want to be like Christ if you're not willing to change who you date. If those things cannot change when you give your life to Christ, then you have not given your life to Christ. If he does not have permission to change who sits at your table, your life does not belong to him. Nor does he have the right authority in your life, nor do you care enough. Ben, y'all can come up because I'm, I'm done. I know that we're talking about people, we're talking about friendships, and we're talking about dating, but really just the, the honest, the honest, just blunt truth of tonight is this. How many of you actually just need the cycle to break? Y'all have been in school for three months? Almost? Yeah, September, October, November? Yeah, we'll call it three months. What's it, how different does it look from, from July, you know, August to now? What's changed for some of you for three months? What old, old habits have we slipped back into? Because, because I know some of you, some of you will stand before God and be like, I will never cuss again. First day of school, beep. Not because you didn't mean what you said. It's just your allegiance changed the moment you saw the people you actually care about. 
I will never, ever do something sexually wrong again. In the car with our significant other. Not gonna make a noise for that one. <laughs> and it's not because you don't mean what you say up here. You just put yourself in a position where it actually dawns on you where your allegiances actually lie. And I know that some of you come up here and we have these prayers and we have these moments and these prayers, I mean, I, I cherish this time so much or we wouldn't do it. But the, one of the most important things that can happen up here is you making a predetermined choice as to who you're going to be so that when those, when those times arise, you've already determined, this is how I'm going to talk. This is how I'm going to act. This is who I'm going to be friends with. But some of you, we get up here and we have an emotional experience, and then those, we get put into these situations that we're like, I will never do that again. And then we slip up the moment the opportunity for that arises. Not because you didn't mean it, you just didn't make a decision as to who you're going to be regardless of what happens. You get what I'm saying? There's a huge difference here that's got to take place in there, that, the, the transformation of your mind, the renewal of your mind, this is what's got to happen. This is who I'm going to be. Dylan Sajan, this is who Dylan Sajan is, no matter what girl, no matter what club, no matter what basketball team, you play basketball, yeah? Yeah, no matter what the basketball team does, says, acts like, this is who Dylan will be regardless. No matter what it looks like around me, this is who Dylan is. This is who I will give myself to, this is who I'm looking for in a spouse, does not change regardless. But that doesn't happen as much. What happens is like, God, please help me to not do these things, okay? Help me, help you help me, I help you, help me. All right, we're back. All right, back in school, over, game over. Because a decision wasn't made. You were just praying that God would help you to be stronger in those situations. So he, he's not going to remove you from the temptation, guys. The temptation is going to be there. He's not going to remove you and say, all right, you're right. I'm never going to put you in that situation again. The temptation will be there. Temptation will be there for some of you tonight when you go home, when you have that vape under your bed or that girl DMs you or that Snapchat goes off. Temptation is always going to be there. The question is, who are you going to be when that temptation arises? We've got to quit acting like, God, please help me, make, make me strong, make me this, please help me do this, help me overcome this, blah, blah, blah. And they'll be like, whoa, why did this happen again? Oh, God, I thought you wouldn't let her talk to me anymore. What the heck? I prayed about this. And we, get, we blame being tempted for something like God didn't do his end of the job. If you're not willing to make those kind of changes and predetermine who you're going to be, the cycle and the wheel is just going to keep on turning. Y'all stand to your feet. Thank you for downloading today's message. Again, we hope that it encouraged you, blessed you, and edified you. If you are a high school, middle school, or even a uh, young adult in the Panama City area, we would love to have you come be a part of our services at High Praise Panama City. Our YTH services are every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. The mix, our pre-service time, starts at 5 o'clock. We would love to have you out. If not, find a way to connect with us on Instagram at hp.yth. We would love to connect with you in some way. And God bless.